Before I get uh, launching into the series, I just want to say thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I want you to look at to your left and to your right, and I want to just go really stroll down memory lane just for a sec, for, because for the past eight years, I've seen all three of my kids baptized here at OneChurch.tv. Uh, we have seen over 500 people uh, baptized here at One Church. We've seen over 900 people give their heart and their lives to Jesus Christ. We've seen almost 9,000 people walk through these doors and sit exactly where you're sitting. In fact, some of you, how, about, how many of y'all you'd say, I, the reason why I'm here is because somebody invited me? Let me see your hands. Look around, guys. Look around. That is so amazing. So I, I want to say I am just, I'm humbled and honored to see what God has done over the past nine years, and I really am excited and stoked to see what he's going to do over the next nine, to see what he's going to do over the next, just next month. I just want to say our best days are ahead of us, and I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be your pastor. Thank you so much for coming and helping us create a church that unchurched people love to attend, because I don't know about you, but I think all of us, we've been one of those unchurched people. We've been one of those people that felt really far from God, and uh, in God, he sent us in Jesus and just invaded our hearts. So thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We are in the part four of the last part of our series entitled Bottom of the Ninth, and um, really, I've really been excited about this series, of course, as a baseball theme, and I love baseball. In fact, I remember when I was going to Dallas Seminary, I would go to Texas Rangers games. I love Texas Rangers. I remember watching Rusty Greer and Pudge Rodriguez, uh, and man, I just love those games. For four dollars, you could get admission to the brand new Texas, uh, Texas Rangers Stadium. It was amazing. You can't go to a movie for four bucks, right? I remember, and I talked about this last week, smuggling in a watermelon, an entire watermelon, an uncut watermelon. That takes skills, people. All right, I, I kind of had it right here. I was sucking in. I was like, uh, you know, do you have anything under your coat? Why do you say that? Uh, but I, I remember it was just, we had so much fun. I love going to baseball games. In fact, 61 of us tonight are going to be going to the Sounds games. Excited about that. So, so anyway, so, but let me tell you about this. We kind of started this entire series four weeks ago by looking uh, at a, uh, a clip of a bottom of the ninth moment. Uh, that the Atlanta Braves had uh, with the 1992 National League Championship against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And a little guy, a little a person that nobody really knew, Francisco Cabrera, comes up and he hits. Let's watch this clip. Francisco Cabrera comes to the plate to bat for the pitcher. He hacked at the 2-0, now the 2-1. Line drive and a base hit! Just as the score of the tying run, bring to the plate! And he is saved! Saved at the plate! The Braves go to the World Series! The unlikeliest of heroes wins the National League Championship Series for the Atlanta Braves. Francisco Cabrera. And Atlanta pulls out Game 7 with three runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, and Atlanta Braves are down. But they come back and they win it. It's almost as good as what happened uh, uh, at the One Church TV softball game last Friday night. Uh, the last inning, they're down seven runs, and they get eight runs, and the One Church softball team come back and win it. Oh, my gosh. I was in One Church softball. You guys are amazing. Very, very good. Really, really cool. So, But, you know, it's one of those things. I, I imagine being at that game and leaving in the eighth inning. 
right? Uh, imagine, and you would have missed all of the turnaround. You would have missed the comeback of Atlanta Braves. I, I'll never forget, my, my wife and I, we've went to two football games in, in our lives, like professional football. Somebody gave us the tickets to both of them, and uh, they were Cowboys tickets because wise men still follow the star. So, um, and uh, I'll never forget, the first game I went to was uh, uh, Cowboys and Miami Dolphins on Thanksgiving 1993. It was the Ice Bowl. Leon Lett touched the dead ball, and they lost. It was kind of a bummer. And then I remember my wife and I going uh, to the Green Bay Packers and uh, Dallas Cowboys. And I know Laurie Key is a crazy Green Bay Packer fan back there, just a little crazy. Um, I remember uh, Green Bay Packers were beating the Cowboys, right? And we're beating the Cowboys, and it's the beginning of the fourth quarter. And, and Kim, it, like, nudged over to me and says, hey, why don't we go ahead and go? I mean, and I was like, yeah, I don't think the Cowboys are going to come back. We leave the stadium. We get to our car, I put the key in the car, and all of a sudden we hear the stadium erupt because the Cowboys rally back, they have a comeback, and they come back and they beat the Packers. And my wife and I missed it. We missed it. I was like, oh my gosh, and you hear the cheering, and you're like, I wish I could have been a part of it, right? How many of y'all, you've, you've ever, something like that's ever happened to you? You left the sporting event too early? Okay, I say, here's the, the kind of the premise of uh, my talk today, is I want, I want none of us to miss it. I, don't, I want none of us to miss the comeback. I want none of us to miss that opportunity when, we're, when we see somebody who's in a bottom of the ninth moment. When they're in the bottom of the ninth moment and the marriage is failing and uh, they've lost a loved one. They, something, I mean, the finances are gone. And, and, and we don't want to miss those moments because how you respond in somebody else's bottom of the ninth moment is really going to determine a lot of different things. How do you respond when you listen to somebody else's bottom of the ninth moment? Well, let me tell you how sometimes I respond. The first way I respond is simply this way. Uh, sometimes I'm just kind of glad that it's not me. You just kind of relieve that it's not you, right? Again, I would never tell this in front of a group of people, you know. But when somebody's, you know, across me and they're kind of telling me their story and their bottom of the ninth, you know, it's a struggle. And I'm like, man... I, in, in my mind, I'm going, I'm, I'm glad it's you and not me type of thing. Again, I, I know that's really bad to admit, but I would never admit it in front of a group of people. So let's move on. Um, the next one is this. Is sometimes when I hear somebody who's in a bottom line moment, I, I think, you know, well, we helped last time. You know, you had a financial need and, and we helped last time. Or and something happened and we showed up and we cleaned the house last time. And, and we helped move last time. Whatever that looks like. But when you're in that, I've kind of, well, we kind of, we've done this before. Uh, the, the third uh, is this, is sometimes we just don't have enough time. I mean, uh, we're just too busy and our schedules are crazy. And, and we're like, man, this is going to inconvenience me. This is going to be a struggle. Man, and I just, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, and sometimes, lastly, I'd say, because of the type of church we have, sometimes we're just so messy. We just don't know what to do. What do you do? I don't have the first clue about how to help in this situation, how to untangle it. So many times we just get paralyzed and we do nothing. And when we do that, when we do nothing, we miss an opportunity. We, and today really is about not missing out on what God wants to do in you and around you and through you. And let me tell you why this is so important. Because if you're here... And if you call yourself a Christ follower, if you're here and you say that you're a Christian, the reputation of Christians are on the line because let me tell you how Christians should respond, how Christians should act when somebody is in a bottom of the ninth moment. We should be, 
we should be, we should be known by just extravagant love and extravagant generosity, extraordinary compassion and generosity that goes way beyond. Our response should be marked that. I mean, somebody say, okay, I'm in my bottom of the ninth, and I'm, I know, hey, I know Jill, I think she's a Christ follower. I know that if I hang out with her, that I'm, her response is going to be marked by extraordinary compassion and generosity. That's what the church should be known for. But let's just be honest. Can we level? That's many times not what church and Christians are known for, is it? It's not. So today, I want to talk about that. I, I want to look at a story in the Bible that as soon as I start talking about it, you're going to go, oh yeah, know it. Everybody knows this story, but what I want us to do as we start looking at Mark chapter 2 is I just want you to pretend like you don't know what's going to happen. And as we dig into this story, it's all about Jesus. It's a story, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be filled with crowds, and there's going to be comedy, there's going to be drama, you're going to laugh, you're going to cry, uh, some of you may wet yourself. It's going to be such an amazing story that we find, that happens right after Jesus started his ministry, and it's found in Mark chapter 2. So let's dig in, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 2, and in verse 1, and this is what it says. A few days later... Jesus again entered Capernaum. Now, notice it says again because Jesus' kind of home base of operations is Capernaum. This is kind of the, 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 the town that he called home, if you will. It was, it was a town right on the Sea of Galilee, on the north part of the Sea of Galilee. And Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they all lived there in Capernaum. And um, Jesus is coming home. So Jesus entered Capernaum, and people heard that Jesus had come home. Now get this, crowds were always following Jesus. Uh, He was kind of like a rock star. I mean, he was healing people, he was feeding people, and everywhere he went, there were throngs of people, tons of people, actually. And people just surrounded him, and this day was no different. This day was no different. So they just come in droves to hear what Jesus had to say. And this is what it says. They gathered in such large numbers that there was what? No room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to him. Now let me kind of give you the context of where this is happening. This was probably happening at the home of Peter. Peter the fisherman. Jesus already had a relationship at this point with Peter. And Peter, again, is from Capernaum. And he's in, Jesus is in Peter's house. Now, everyone hears he's back home. And it's kind of like Beatles pandemonium. How many of y'all like Beatles? Okay, not everybody. Some of you, okay. Okay, let me re-context. Re- it's kind of like Michael Jackson, right, when he was alive. I mean, in, or, okay, that didn't get anybody. Okay, it's kind of like Justin Bieber. Some of you are not believers. Okay, one, one direction then. Okay, I'm trying to maroon five. Let me just kind of get everybody. Thank you, somebody. Love Jesus. Okay, my point is, I mean, there were mass of people. There were crowds of people. And, and you could not get anywhere close to Jesus. In fact, things were so crazy that, I mean, it shut down traffic in downtown Capernaum. I mean, it's some of you, I mean, it was bumper-to-bumper chariots, right? I mean, in fact, it's, uh, if you can't imagine that, imagine driving on Warfield Boulevard. 
Okay, there you go. So, um, uh, so anyway, so it is just crazy. I mean, there's just so much congestion, and no one can get close to Jesus because crowds were following Jesus. And then, what's so amazing, what's so amazing about this, it's so jam-packed, so many people that you couldn't even get close to the door of Peter's house. Imagine that. You're Peter, and the fire codes have been broken 200 people ago, right? And you just got all these people jam-packed in there. This is what happens in verse 3. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So this is a group of four guys who decides to carry their friend. Now, we don't know the name of the four guys. We don't know the name of the paralyzed man. We don't even know how long the man has been paralyzed, how he got paralyzed. We don't know the nature of the relationship between the four guys and, and this paralyzed man, except we can pretty much deduce that they were friends. We know that this paralyzed man, though, was at the bottom of his ninth. You know, when you can't walk, you're at the bottom of the ninth. The deck was stacked against him. His four friends hear that Jesus is coming to town, and these four guys start thinking, hey, if we can just get this guy who can't walk to Jesus... Something's going to happen. So they grab all four corners of his mat and they say, Hey, I don't know what you got planned today, but we moving towards Jesus. So get ready. So they do that. So they're going to go there. They, they go to, to kind of find Jesus and they get to the Peter's house. They don't even get to Peter's house. They get quarter mile outside of Peter's house and it is jam packed, sold out. I mean, it is done. There's no room. It's like Black Friday at Best Buy. Black Friday at Walmart. Black Friday with people at Walmart.com. All right? I mean, it's crazy. And everybody's fighting over the TV. It's just, they, are, they immediately bumped into a massive obstacle. And Mark writes it this way. Since they could not get to him, get to Jesus because of the crowd, they looked at their friend and said, hey, buddy, maybe next time. I mean, maybe, you know, it's just too rough. We got a great story to tell. You know, we got you out of the house at least for an afternoon. But there's no way we can get you to Jesus. And, hey, you remember that time when we tried taking you to Jesus, but we just didn't get there early enough? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Or maybe, let's kind of contextualize this verse into today's jargon in 2016. Here we go. Since they could not get to him, uh, get to Jesus because of the crowd, they went home and created an inspirational hashtag, thinking about my bro, and posted it online. Right? I mean, think about this. What is the least that you could do? Well, the least that you could do is do nothing. Well, let's bump it up from that just a hair, and let's create a hashtag. Right? Thinking about my bro. With a lot of dove emojis, not the little poop emojis. I don't know why anybody would want to use those, right? And now, hey, it's trending all over the world. Hey, by the way, you're trending on YouTube, Paralyzed Guy. You've never been as famous. Isn't that awesome? Great. Still can't walk, but I'm trending. Good. Now, and again, but that's not what happened here. They couldn't get to them because of the crowd. They had this obstacle. They fought through the obstacle so that they could get this guy to Jesus. There's this poet that I really like. And I don't know, do any of y'all like poetry? I like this poet. You probably never heard of him. His name is DJ Snake. Um, and he has a friend named Lil John. It's not Little John. It's very, very important. It, it, Little John is Robin Hood. Okay? <laughs> this is Lil John. And, and if you have been around football games, baseball games, you've been around people, you probably know this song 
turned down for what? It has a good beat. It really does. It, 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 and again, I like beats. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a beat person, right? I will throw down some beats. I can do all of that, right? But see, when I hear, when I hear turn down for what, it's like an anthem of a generation. Have y'all heard this song? See, I'm not going to sing it to you because it really doesn't have any melody. All right? Um, but I, I'm gonna, can, DJ, would you mind playing that for us? White man's overbite. Alright. Now here's what's amazing about that song. I love to let you listen to the rest of the song, but because you heard that five second snippet, you've actually heard the rest of the song because there are no more lyrics. It's just Turn down for what? Now, I'd say this is an anthem of a generation because uh, if I were to ask somebody to come up on the stage and say, tell me what turn down for what means, no one could tell me what that means, right? DJ Snake probably doesn't know what it means. Lil John definitely doesn't know what it means, right? But what does it mean to turn down for what? So play it one more time. Would you mind doing that? Turn down for what? Isn't it good just to be at church today? Telling you what? Alright, turn down for what? Now, for some of you, I, what I think, what I think DJ Snake and Lil John is trying to say. Let me put it in English. For what shall we turn down for? It's like, you know what? DJ Snake, Lil Jon, they, they're going to the crib, and then they're going to go pick up some friends, but they're running out of gas, but we can't get there. Are, are we going to stop? The answer is no, we're not going to stop. We're not going to turn down for what, right? We're not going to turn down for anything, okay? Um, it's like, you know what? My mom just called. I need to go back, but I'm not going to know. We're going to go to the club. We're going to be clubbing. We're going to turn down for what? Again, let me translate this in English. What are we going to turn down for? The answer is nothing. All right? Like, uh, th- that's what these four guys are like. These four guys embody turn down for what? I mean, in fact, they were so excited. They believed something. They believed this, that if they could just get this paralyzed guy to Jesus, then something good will happen. That's what they believed. So the four guys, you know, they're talking through this. Hey, what are you going to do? And what are, okay, I don't know what we're going to do, but we got to get him to Jesus. Okay, okay, okay. Let's put, you know, hands in a wheel on, on, on three. Turn down for what? One, two, three. That was awful. That's awful. All right, let's do this one more time, all right? Hands in on three. Turn down for what? Ready? One, two, three. And, and the four guys are going, Yeah! Now, what are we going to do? How are we going to get? How are we going to get this guy to Jesus? I don't know. I thought you had an idea. Oh, you got an? I ain't got. Well, well I got an idea. So they get this, but it's, the guy gets this idea, and he says, "But it's going to be a little destructive." Okay, I like it already. Right. So they, these four guys, grab this paralyzed guy, and they are not. They're going to bust through every obstacle in order to get this guy to Jesus because they believe that if they could just get him to Jesus, something good will happen. So, verse 4. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening, say what? In the roof above Jesus by digging 
through it. Now, again, just put yourself here. You know, we've Sunday schoolized this message, and it's, you know, we, you know, we have the little paintings and Jesus and the halo, you know. But put yourself there. You're in Peter's house. And, you know, you got a friend, and he's texting on his phone, you're like, hey, man, Jesus is talking. Get off the phone. Okay? Okay. So you listen to Jesus, and then you start seeing dust over here. What's happening here? Um, and then you start, pe- you start seeing pieces of the roof start caving in. And you look over at Peter and go, Peter, dude, you got some termites, dude. You got to get this thing checked out. Serve all. All right? And then, and, and then all of a sudden, a hole opens up. And you're like, what? And if, thinking, you're Peter. This is your house. And Peter's going, I, I've done re-roofed this thing twice. Really? What is going on? And then the hole gets bigger, and then the four guys put their heads through. Right? And you're like, hey, is that Joe? Joe, what are you doing? Peter's, Peter, this is Peter's house. Jesus is teaching. He's trying, to, he's trying to land a plane. I'm wanting to finish so I can go to the Cracker Barrel. Right? Let's, don't interrupt him. I mean, imagine. And Peter, if you're Peter, now you're just ticked and angry. Because they done destroyed your house. And, they, and look what it says about this next verse. I love this. It says that they start going through. And I, I, I like what Mark, Mark just misses some details here, right? He misses like eight details. I wish you would have given us more details here. How did they get four guys, get a paralyzed guy on a roof? Right? And my, some of my youth pastor days, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. <laughs> this is kind of what I'm thinking. You know, okay, you grab his hands and you grab his feet. Ready? One. <laughs> Boom. Oh. <laughs> now, now Jesus got to heal the broken arm too. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Mark doesn't give us any details. I, I mean, I, I wish you would have. I mean, can you imagine four guys trying to get up a ladder carrying a paralyzed guy on a mat on, on a stretcher? That's a little crazy. How do you do that? Did, did he find another house that was right next door and kind of walk over and step onto the guys? And kinda, how did he do I don't know. Mark doesn't give us any details, but one day I will ask him when I get to heaven. All right? So, did they look for different doors, all of this stuff? Look what it says in verse 4. Since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat, the man was lying on. Again, I don't know how they did this. Mark doesn't tell us. Did they get, uh, get some type of pulley hoist system? A come along? Was one of them an Eagle Scout and they tied a bowling? And they got the vines together and they said, okay, and we're going to, lo- I don't know how they did this. But somehow they lowered this guy down through Peter's roof and in front of Jesus. And what is Jesus going to say? What is Jesus going to do? Is, is he going to say, is Jesus going to look at these four guys and say, how dare you to destroy somebody else's property? Go thee therefore and fix it. Hearken. All right, what is Jesus going to say here? But I, what I, what we, what's amazing here is Jesus looks into the eyes of this paralyzed man. And the next verse, verse 5, tells us what Jesus is thinking and what he says. He says this, when Jesus, what? saw whose faith? Their faith. Not the man, not the paralyzed man. But when he saw the faith of his four friends. Let me just stop here by saying this. You know, sometimes uh, bad televangelists with bad toupees will say, if you just had more faith, you could be healed. 
Let me tell you, this verse flies in the, fa- in the face of that. It doesn't say anything about the paralyzed man's faith. It says that his, the friends that the paralyzed man was hanging out with, that their faith moved Jesus. Let me ask you a question. The type of people you're hanging out with, are they helping your faith grow? Are they helping move Jesus and move you towards Jesus? Or are they pulling you away from Jesus Christ? You see, these four guys, they had such a big faith. And it wasn't the paralyzed man's faith. It wasn't the crowd's faith. It was these four guys' faith. And because of their faith, Jesus is moved to do something. Why? Because move people move. So he says this. He said to the paralyzed man, son... A term of endearment here. Your sins are forgiven. And, and, and to which I'm sure the four guys are going, uh, we wanted you to heal him. Could you do that too, please? Um, I mean, I, but here's what's so amazing here. Jesus knew that this guy wanted to walk. But Jesus, I mean, he knows this guy's real need is that he needs to be forgiven. Because he knew this man, just like all of us in here today, there are people in here today who are struggling with your anger. They're struggling with shame. They're struggling with guilt and past and all of this junk. And maybe the reason why you showed up here today, it may have been because somebody said they were going to buy you lunch or somebody, whatever it is. But your real need today is that you need to be forgiven. So Jesus knew that, and he looked into the eyes of this paralyzed man. And their faith, these four guys' faith, moved Jesus. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, that you don't have to live with that anymore. That shame, you don't have to live with that anymore. You can be free of that. In fact, I love this. Jesus was moved not by what they believed, but by what they did because of what they believed. You see, churches every Sunday are filled with people saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. That's great. That doesn't move Jesus. You want to know what moves Jesus and our Heavenly Father? Is when not, yes, you believe, but you do something about what you believe. You see, church is no good for you if all you do is say, I believe, or that was a good song, all this, and we clap and all this stuff. But if we don't walk differently, if we don't talk differently, if we don't act differently because of that, that doesn't really move the heart of our Heavenly Father. Now, here's what's so interesting about this. Is Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, and guess who got ticked off? The religious people. The Pharisees, the scribes. So Mark talks about these people next, and he says this in verse 6. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. Stop right there. How many of y'all are married, and your wife or husband said, hey, you need to stop thinking that? And you're like, I ain't said nothing. Right? That, that's happened to me. You know, my wife says, hey, st- stop it. Stop what? I ain't doing nothing. I know what you're thinking. No, you don't. You don't know me like that. Right? And I'm defensive because I'm thinking it. Because my wife knows me. Right? And, you're, and your wife, your spouse, probably is the exact same way. You see, Jesus was man. He was 100% man. But he was 100% God. And he knew what people thought. So Jesus knew what they were thinking Thinking to themselves, Jesus says, why does this, the Pharisees are thinking, why does this fellow talk like this? Why does this fellow talk like this? He says this, he's blaspheming, which means he's speaking wrong about God. He's speaking wrong about God. Why? Because who can forgive sins 
but God alone. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, I am God. You see, I can forgive sins. Who can forgive sins but God alone? God, which means I'm God. And by the way, I I even know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. In verse 8, it says this. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what, uh, knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which they were thinking, how do you know we were thinking about that? Right? Verse 9. Which is easier, Jesus asks, to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, Take up your mat and walk. Now, growing up, I always thought, which would be easier? And I always struggled with this. Well, let me just kind of bring this down real quick. You see, if I looked over to Grace, how you doing, Grace? If I looked at Grace and I says, Grace, your sins are forgiven. Does anybody have any proof that her sins are forgiven? No. You see, I can say that and you're like, well, you don't know that. But if I say, by the way, get up. To a paralyzed person, take up your mat and walk. There's proof right there, right? So which is easier? It's easier to say, your sins are forgiven. To go and bless you, my child, whatever that is. It, that's easy. But Jesus didn't take the easy way out. He says, no, here's, I'm going to forgive you of your sins, but you're going to get up and you're going to walk out of, it, out of here. Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And I love that. That Jesus died, he was buried, he's resurrected. He has authority to forgive your sin and my sin. He has the the authority to forgive your worst part about your life. That spring break that weekend, whatever happened that night, God has the power to forgive you. Verse 10, he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. So he he got up, he took up his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This paralyzed man who's been paralyzed, we don't know how long, he gets up on these shaky, wobbly legs, and what does he do at that moment? You know what I think he does? I think he looks over at his four friends, and he puts out his big arms. He says, thank you. Thank you for bringing me to Jesus. Thank you for picking me up and pushing through the obstacles that you did not turn down for nothing. That you went through the crowd, you went through a roof so that I could meet Jesus. Wow. Wow. And then, it says this, as we close, verse 12, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. What do you think they're talking about? What are they referring to? Maybe he's saying simply this. We have never seen this type of friendship. We've never seen someone act so boldly, so courageously, with so much tenacity. We've never seen someone's faith be so visible that it moves the heart of God. Do you want to be that type of friend? How many of y'all, you want a friend like that in your life? Let me see your hands. All of us do, right? One of the things my mom taught me is if you want a friend like that in your life, you've got to be a friend like that. So as we close, I'm just going to challenge you guys today to be a friend like that. Because these four guys were convinced of this, that if they bring the, if they bring the paralyzed guy to Jesus, something good will happen. I think you and I need to be convinced of this next one. If we bring Jesus to someone, 
something good will happen. You see, here's what's amazing about this. See, Jesus, he isn't here on this earth anymore. You see, he was buried, he was resurrected, he lived for 40 days, and he was raised up into heaven. He's going to come back one day, but in this interim period, you know who Jesus is? It's the church. That we are his hands and we are his feet. And our big idea today is simply this. Be the body to anybody who needs somebody. Let's say that together, can we? Be the body to anybody who needs somebody. You see, the church, onechurch.tv, that you and I, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Then when we see someone who is broken, someone who's crying, somebody who is hurt, someone who's lost someone, if we see a marriage failing, we just don't say, oh, it's their problem. No. That we will be the body to anybody who needs somebody. That we will be like those four friends and we will do anything short of sin to get them to Jesus. In fact, that's one of our core values here. That one church, we at one church, we will do anything short of sin to get people to Jesus. And my challenge for you today is for you, that, that to be your alma mater, that to be your mantra, that to be your rally fight song. That we will do anything short of sin to bring people to Jesus. That you would be the body to anybody who needs somebody. You know, what's so amazing about this is over the past nine years, we've seen so many people come to know Jesus Christ, and that happened because somebody invited them. Yes, we've advertised, yes, we've done direct mailers, and those work, but you and I both know the best way to getting the word out is by word of mouth. So I'm going to challenge you in two ways. First one is this. We have printed out new invite cards. As you know, we're not doing services next Sunday here or at the theater. Uh, the staff and some of our key volunteers are going to be there getting all the kinks out. But we're going to do church online, and you're welcome to figure that out and, and do all of that. Go on our website. But I'm asking you to take these cards. We have them in groups of 20 as soon as you leave the theater today. And I want you to grab these, and I want you to hand these out to your friends. I'm, I'm challenging you to be like the four guys who's willing to do anything short of sin. To, if that means tearing through a roof, that we will tear the roof off. That we will, do, uh, that we will turn down for what? The answer? Nothing. So I'm challenging you and me. Let's this week, let's next week, let's invite somebody to church. When you go out to eat today, and after you tip well, you give them a card. If you don't tip well, don't invite them to one church. Invite them to the Methodist church. Invite them to the person. I'm joking. Some of y'all, oh, preacher. No, I'm just joking. All right? But don't invite them to one church if you don't tip well, right? Just tell you, you tip well, and you say, I'd love to invite you to one church. And maybe you're just not that extrovert. I get it. Take these and, and put them everywhere you can. But invite people to church. Be that, like one of those four guys who's willing to be the body to anybody who needs somebody. Here's the second way I'm challenging us to do this today. Is we're going to take up a special offering at the end of this service. And this is over and above your tithes and offerings. But we have a lot of expenses that occurs about having to redo church at the movie theater. Uh, these are all of our lights up here. 
um, we can't use any of these because uh, these are draw, they draw so much wattage and voltage. We're going to have to get LED lights because there's only three outlets in the movie theater. And they're all on the same circuit, praise Jesus. Right? So we can't do all the, all the stuff that we do here with what we got. We're going to have to get some new lights. We have to get some new trust to put the lights on. We're going to have to get a new projector. We're donating this center projector uh, to the school because we want to leave well. All of these screens, this back screen back here where you can see kind of my bald spot. Dear Jesus, what's happening? Does anybody have that thing where you can spray on? And what's happening? What just happened? Anyway, oh my Lord. Am I... Anyway, back on target. We're going to donate that to them because we want to leave the school well. But uh, our goal in taking this offering, we need about $10,000 to be able to make this right. We're going to have to send out a, a, some direct mailers to let everybody know that we're moving. And that costs about $1,700 to do that. So I'm asking you guys, some of you have never given anything in your life. I would just ask today that you would trust God. And whatever you do with your wallets, I want you to be that type of friend. Be the type of friend that's willing to be the body to anybody who needs somebody. I'm going to pray and we're going to take up the offering. The band's going to lead us. And after we take up the offering, you guys are free to go. Don't forget, Finding Dory tickets. And you can purchase those uh, immediately afterwards. Invite your friends. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm just, I'm so amazed at looking at this story in Mark chapter 2. And I have so many questions of how they did all of this stuff. But really at the end, this is about the faith of four friends. This is about four guys are willing to do anything to get their friend to Jesus because they believed that if they got this friend to Jesus something good will happen Lord over the past nine years people inviting people to one church they believed that if they could just get them to church something good will happen that a marriage would be restored that a heart that's broken will be healed And Lord, we've seen time after time after time people's lives reconciled and they've experienced what they've really needed, forgiveness. And Lord, I pray that today as we give, Lord, I pray as we sing that you would use us, the body, to be the body to anybody. You would allow us to be that somebody. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. We can go ahead and turn up the house lights. And I think Bob and the uh, greeters are going to uh, do the buckets. So, again, thank you so much for sacrificing and the way you give. You guys are a blessing. Let's sing.